Hey, 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 good evening once again and welcome to the Red and Blue Review. My name is Nick Philpott. I'm your host this evening and together with this fantastic panel we have this evening, we're going to be chewing the cut over yesterday's squeaky bum win against Southampton at Sellers Park. First of all, it'd be remiss of me not to say good evening, gentlemen. Starting off with the ledge. Good evening, James. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. And you? I'm all right, mate. Listen... On behalf of everybody on Red and Blue Review, are you scared after meeting Tim Richards yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> no, he looks the same in real life as he does on the screen. So yeah. You do realise he probably followed you home and he's actually probably standing behind that door behind you, didn't you? Well, in fact, I, mean, I took him upstairs to Malcolm Allison Suite and I said I'd be back up because I've got lots of things to do. And I went up about 25 minutes before kickoff. 20 minutes for kickoff, and he disappeared. So he must have gone to find his seat. He's because he's in the boot of your car, mate. That's why. <laughs> Ian yeah. Noble, how you doing, mate? Uh, evening, Nick. Yeah, evening, everyone. I'm all right. I got a bit of a sore throat, a bit of a cold. Uh, I think the sore throat was exacerbated by me shouting at that lino yesterday, who really wasn't very good at all on our side of the pitch by the main stand. But there we are. And the referee. Anyway, the referee in the first half weren't much better, but we'll come to that, of course. And welcome back for his second appearance, Chris Lehman from One More Point Fanzine. How are you doing, Chris? Very good. Really enjoyed yesterday afternoon. And uh, yeah, made, made for a nice weekend. Happy to long be here. That's a, that, I'll tell you now, that is one long trip down from Hull. What time did you get back last night? Just gone 11 o'clock. And uh, the joys of an electric car, so a bit of charging up at Peterborough to get home. But always a much nicer trip when you've won, so... Win more than we lose in the last year or so. Absolutely. We've got lots coming up in tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about our predictions league in a second. Um, but uh, we've got quite a few things to talk about. But one thing, I've got a question for you all. Can one of you please explain to me why at the end of the game yesterday, on the way home, you know, after, as Chris just said, bagging three points, my mobile phone updates for my Man United season ticket for November the 30th. What are they doing? What are the ticket office doing? What is that all about? Do you know, I don't think anyone knows, Nick. It's a, it's a strange one, isn't it, this, this uh, electronic season ticket? All, you, all I will say is don't worry about it because by the time the next game comes round, which is Fulham, it will be correct on your phone. Just bizarre. I just don't, you know, it's as though the left hand doesn't know what, what, what the right hand is doing. I'm missing, Ian, can you see the chat? Because I'm, I can just that. about, yeah, not terribly well, but I can see I, it, yeah. I'm missing that on some of the comments that are coming through. Um, so where, where should we start? I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll start off with, I just need to say a quick thank you to John Knox. I met John again in the uh, Clifton before kickoff yesterday. Uh, those of you who remember, Joe Holyoke, uh, who will be back, by the way, he's, he's now on holiday. Uh, is going to Cape Verde this week. Years ago, uh, two years ago, Gerald took out uh, something like, I think it was 200 old palace tops and gave them out to uh, underprivileged children out in Cape Verde, along with uh, pens, pencils, books and everything else. Well, um, that, that thing, that exercise that he carried out went down fantastically well. John Knox very came, kindly came up to me before the game and said, with a bag full of old training tops, 
old uh, Palace training tops. The gel's taken out to Cape Verde on Thursday this week. So, John, on behalf of us all, thank you very much. Hopefully, we'll have plenty of time during the evening to take the piss out of James Ward-Prowse, who had a crap game yesterday, didn't get on the score seat, didn't put Wilf in his pocket. So, make sure we you fill your boots on that, boys, this evening, because I can't stand the bloke, OK? One, one, you know, out of all the opposition players we play against, he's one of them. He's right up on the top of the list. Uh, I want to talk about the ladies' uh, fantastic win at Durham away today because that moves them back up to fourth. But I think we're going to start the show on a little bit of a sombre note, if you like. Uh, I would like to echo everybody's views on Sido. Now, uh, Chris Walters, known as Sideburns, there he was, sadly passed away. Clive. Take in. Clive. What did yeah, I say? Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I think Chris, I do, but yeah. I'm, I'm still here. Um, yeah, <laughs> thankfully. Um, and I think it's fair to say that both the HF and the club put on some great tributes to the guy. Uh, there was, even on the on the team sheet, I don't know if you guys noticed it, on the back of the programme, the team, team sheet, his name's added to the team sheet right at the very bottom. I thought it was a lovely touch. Uh, great early 70 a minute um, round of applause, very well executed. Um, and I thought it was really great to see. Chris, I understand you actually, uh, you had the pleasure. Yeah, many times. So for 10 years, I used to stand on the, the same corner as, as Sideburns uh, out, you know, on the top of the Homesdale and Park Road there. And it would, I'd be non stop shouting 75 minutes, non stop. One more point, one pound, your fanzine. And all he'd have to do is just go, oh, Graham, it's just that, <laughs> just the way he did it. And it, they'd all come flocking to, to the point that I even dedicated when I did the one more point book during lockdown, one of the chapters, Sideburns Legend. That's that's the heading of the chapter, just saying about yeah, the impact he had, if you like, the mere fact that away fans would recognise him as well. And people don't often know that he did Charlton and Wimbledon games as well in the ground share days. So, he was known to a lot of away fans. They'd see him twice a year, and it, it, they'd always make a deal for him. He was, it was program seller as a go. I'm not sure if any club had a, a program seller as famous as him. So yeah, it was, it was always good banter. Me and him, uh, he'd always win, of course. <laughs> but uh, well, I, I understand. Uh, I understand he was and he was also a Kent was, fan as well. Yeah, I understand he was a man of very few words, but his humour was extreme. Is that right? Chris yes, he did, and everyone would give it a, do do the mimic of him, his voice, program, and he'd just give a little look like you <laughs> The humour was there, you know. He, he he had that, and again, the away fans would uh, would always give banter, and he's he very distinctive look, wasn't he? Sideburns w- were a thing in the seventies, if you like. He was a, maybe maybe a bit of a throwback character, but he, he he always took it on board, and very knowledgeable by all accounts on football. People who did know him well said he, his knowledge was phenomenal. He knew his stuff. Ian, did you ever meet him? Yeah, I met him a few times. I bought programmes of him a few times, of course, home games. I remember one occasion, the story I can tell you, um, did Torquay away in the League Cup midweek, I think obviously a second round tie, and um, went down there. We had I got to the ground quite late because we'd been in a pub sort of thing, and uh, I missed out on getting a programme because, um, because they'd sold out, basically. So I see sideburns in in the ground, and he had ten of them, and he was very loyal to the people that he promised programs to because he wouldn't sell me one. And I said, "Come on, sideburns, here's the money. I'll, I'll pay you double. I just want a program." And he wouldn't sell me one because he'd taken orders from people. And I said, "Oh, fair enough, you know." In the end, you know, 
So I still haven't got a programme from that game. So if anyone's got a programme from Torquay Palace in the League Cup <laughs> and they don't want it, they can post it to me because I still haven't got it and I went to the game. And yeah. and the other one, of course, yesterday was the uh, the Poppy tribute, of course, uh, just before yeah. kickoff. I thought that was excellently observed by all the Palace faithful. Maybe one or two of the clowns at the back of the uh, Southampton stand and they were on social media today. The the, the decent so, uh, Southampton fans were on social media actually apologising for the clowns that were making a noise during the uh, minute silence. But uh, it, it was uh, very good. I think Palace needs to be congratulated the way they uh, took care of the uh, Clive. 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 Anyway, Clive. Let's go. we've got some echo. Is, is it just me echoing? Let's say hello to a few people in the chat anyway. We've got uh, Mike Howe. Good evening, sir. Thank you for your service. Uh, Phil Usher, where are my bloody cakes? Stephen, Steve's out there. Uh, Mark Callaghan's out there. Um, Ian, can you see any more comments in there? Uh, uh, John Holden's there. Um, he says, uh, the late great Sido, a brilliant bloke, always uh, made the match day experience. So, yeah, absolutely. We echo those words, Paul. Um, so, yeah, um, I think the, the fans that made the noise didn't realise they were coming into the ground, John CPFC says. So, yeah, I, I don't think anyone... Southampton aren't a nasty bunch. They wouldn't make a noise to interrupt a minute's silence. They were just coming into the ground. They didn't realise that what was going on. I think that was the, the story there. Um, but, yeah. Well said. Um, and let's let's go on to the Palace ladies. They had a long trip up to Durham today. Um, and they had a fantastic win. And it comes on the, off the back of three uh, recent defeats. Uh, two in the league and one in the cup. There's your lineup for you: Kitchen, Johnson, Everett, goal scorer Philby, Doran, Riley, Peplo, Gibbons, Blanchard, Guyot, and our little moles. So they came away from there. 44th minute goal from Anna Philby uh, gave us all three points and celebrations. And if any of the ladies are actually listening to this or watching this, or Dean, if you're watching this, uh, please put a message in the chat because I'll. We'll, we'll ping you over a link and get you on life and the coach like you did last year. And that win, because we actually suffered a couple of league defeats recently, both of which I went to, uh, takes us back up the fourth in the league. So good on you, girls. OK, we're right behind you. We're supporting everything you do. Uh, and congratulations to Dean and all your staff. It was uh, Rob Cranfield. Uh, I know Rob was there today and apparently there was some issues after the game. Rob, could you please construct a little uh, two or three lines in the chat and I'll read it out for you. There was a, there was a bit of nastiness post-match from, I don't know if it was one of their fans or something like that, towards our uh, our ladies, uh, not to be condoned, of course. So that was, uh, yeah, stick out in the chat, Rob, and Ian will happily read that out. So where should we go on to? Um, so we've spoken about... Us, let's, let's go straight on to the game, shall we, Ian? So... It was squeaky bum. Jim, touch and go. Good first half, uh, poor second half. We can't get the consistency, which is what the manager keeps talking about in all these interviews, is consistency, consistency, and we can't get it. Uh, game of two halves, yeah? Yeah, I mean, complete opposite from the last two home games of a really good first half. And I don't think we were terrible in the second half, but we just let them into it. We gave the ball away a lot. Uh, a lot of stupid passes, uh, which just sort of makes them look as if they're really on top. I mean, they had a few chances, and I think summing up the game, the best player on the park was our goalkeeper, and uh, he got man of the match. And uh, but at the end of the day, 
it's three points, and that's all we needed. You know, Southampton are a, a difficult side to play with. They're a big old side. They're very strong. They're, they're quite sort of physical, as uh, Will found out a few times. But, uh, yeah, I thought we handled them well. Uh, we just, we let things go. We tend to sit back a bit we're, sort of, we're, when we're 1-0 up, as opposed to when we're 1-0 down, We second half, we'd go at teams. I think we we sort of like just gave them the impetus a little bit. And, uh, you know, once once they get a little bit going, uh, midfield can be a bit light. And I've, I've, I was quite pleased that he, he changed it about and brought a bit more defensive-minded players on. Um, but the bottom line is we, we won. We got the three points, which was really important. Puts us in a nice position in the league. Uh, we could have them 20 points sort of by, what, within the next week and a half, two weeks. Uh, which is what we always look at before Christmas. Can we get 20 points? Well, we're well in front of Christmas, so hopefully that'll uh, that'll carry on. And also, Jim, we're, we're not even halfway through the season. We're only about a third of the way through the season as well. Yeah, we're, well, we played 12 matches. We've we, we got 18, 18 yeah. So, yeah, we're nowhere <laughs> near it. We've played quarter of the season or something, so... Yeah, it's, uh, yeah I, I mean, we're a good side, um, but you, you just mentioned consistency, putting 90 minutes together. I think the biggest problem is that we've had ample chances in lots of games to score two and three goals. And all the time it's 1-0, it makes the fans get a bit jittery, which probably transfers onto the pitch. The players get a bit jittery. And... That that is that is our problem at the moment. We've had loads of chances to put the game to bed, and uh, we don't do it. So we put more pressure on ourselves, and we start sort of getting a bit panicky and sitting back. So, but three points—that's the position we're in. I'm quite happy with that. Absolutely right. Um, just go just go back to what I was saying about the girls just a minute ago. John Michael Ross put in the chat. Full time, we they went over and had talks with Dean and the girls, which they always do, and that's the. That's the credit to uh, Dean and all the whole team. They always come up to all the support with the Palace fans and have a good chat and laugh with them. As you, I've actually seen some pictures of it as well. Uh, and the Durham goalkeeping coach had the right go at all the Palace fans, calling them names and wanting to fight. Uh, one of the, one of the fans uh, was a father of one of the daughters playing for Palace. It was very bizarre. Uh, yeah, I'd heard some choice words were being exchanged. It's a I don't understand it. I, I really don't understand it. Uh, Chris, I want you wanted to say it's a gentleman's game then. Then you thought, I can't say that. <laughs> I was not dirty. Chris, I want to talk to you about the um, formation. Slightly unusual formation. Obviously, the big news pre-kickoff was uh, no uh, check decore, of course, which came as a bit of a surprise because, um, again, Vieira said in his uh, pre-match interview that there was uh, no new injury concerns. Well, that... He did that a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know which team that was against. And somebody was out. I think it was uh, Mitchell was out, wasn't it? So here's your lineup: uh, Guaita, Ward, Gihi, Anson, Mitchell, Schluck, Milivojevic, Eze, Elise, Edward, and Zaha. Now, my understanding really was that that was a four-one-four-one lineup. Chris, have you played that before? I 
can't recall if we have i can't recall it and certainly luca hasn't been getting in the first team much lately so it was a you know a bit of a concern but i think the general consensus was luke luke now he wasn't on his 2018 form but it was approaching that at least so he's been a bit of a target for the boo boys this calendar year hasn't he but he had a solid game not not on the decure level but uh we got the three points as jim said didn't we so we're happy with that Ian, I thought uh, Luca actually had a very solid game, and uh, and I wish all all the anti Luca people would just piss off and go and support Millwall. Really, um, how do you think he played yesterday? Yeah, I thought he played very very well. Um, I think it was particularly good on the back of uh, last week's um, poor performance at Everton, when you know he was at fault really for the, the first goal, him and Mark Gay, but um, he didn't play that well at all at Everton, and he must have taken that with him into the game. You know, because you're right, we all expected Checky Decore's name to be on that team sheet. And when it wasn't, and we saw that Luca was in the in the starting eleven, we all sort of thought, oh dear, you know, are you sure? Um, you know, this could be a, a bit of a disaster. But he proved us all wrong and he played very, very well, I thought. Um, you know, even offensively he looked good. There were times there was a, that occasion in the first half where um Jeffrey Schlupp got free on the right hand side. And, and he did brilliantly slippy there. He, he lost his man. He got forward. He almost got to the byline. He looked up and there were players in the box, but he, he pulled it back to Luca on, on the edge of the box. And his shot was, you know, he couldn't thought his shot, really. It was a low, hard shot. Just it got blocked. Um, OK, his free kick early doors wasn't on target, which you could criticise him for. But I thought offensively he looked OK. He linked the play well. He broke the he broke the play up when you know when they were attacking. He protected the back four, and I thought he had a really good game. So well done, Luca. And I'm glad you mentioned the link up, Jim. Jim, I'm coming to you because I want to ask you something here. Um, last week we were critical of the disconnect, if you like, between the back four and the front, the offensive four, if you like, uh, or five. And there was just this bloody great big hole in the middle of the park uh, where Everton overran us. Whoever won the midfield battle won the game, is what I said. Okay, and as it proved to be the case. Yesterday, however, I thought it was the connect between all departments. In fact, Alise Schlupp as a uh, Zaha linking up with Milivojevic and Edouard. I thought I thought it was completely different. It was a different setup, obviously. Is that the reason why it, it was much better than last week? Yeah, well, I think it, it was obvious last week that three midfield players, Luca. Eze and Elise is never going to work away from home. Uh, you, you'll get away with it at home. But I felt, I mean, I felt sorry for Luca last week because it two players that are not, one's not a midfield player and the other one is really a flair guy. So he was, all, he was under pressure a lot against Everton. I mean, he didn't have a great game yesterday. I think he gave the ball away once in 90 minutes. And, and you're right, I just wish people... You know, players give the ball away all the time, but when Luca gives the ball away at the moment, the fans are like, as you say, some of them are idiots. I don't even know why they go. Because if you put one bad pass, they should go and watch Millwall or Wimbledon if they, if they want to keep booing at somebody giving the ball away. But, uh, yeah, no, they, like we needed to strengthen the middle of the park. And it obviously he's put Michael Elise, who's unbelievable on the wing. He's fleet-footed. He goes past people so easy. And I think Sloppy coming in gave, gave us a lot more uh, uh, defensive quality without sort of like stopping the, the flair players going forward. And and I looked, you mentioned Ward-Prowse. 
I don't know why you haven't got him and what a good player he is. Oh, you you'd want him in your own team. You only did say that. You'd want him in your team. I was looking at Ward Prowse yesterday and they're talking about there's lots of conjecture about who's going to get in the England squad and and what players are on the fringe. I look at him and I see him and I look at Eze and they're a million miles apart in ability. Uh, the only thing, obviously, that Ward Prowse has got better than him is he takes unbelievable free kicks. But if I'm taking a player to try and win the World Cup, I'm taking Eze well before I take Ward Prowse. But and I'm not the manager. But yeah. yes, so defensively, I thought with the strength we had and the shape of the team meant that we were a bit sounder and a bit stronger, and it gave Luca a little bit more help in the middle of the park. No, and fantastic words. And ladies and gentlemen, you're, you've given up your your Sunday evening. Where else on the internet would you find the ledge that is Jim Cannon joining you for your, your evening? We are so lucky to have him and, and the knowledge, of course. Um, I wanted to talk, yeah, let's, let's do, James. Ian, I was going to get you to do your uh, analysis in a second, but before we do, Chris, Jim mentioned James Ward-Prowse. I mean, you would want him in your team any day of the week because because it, it, it's the classic one, isn't it? You, everyone hates him. You love to hate him, yeah. It's it, you know, we. I was trying to think who we've had over the years. You know, Kevin Muscat. I'm going back a long time, but he was a dirty so and so. But you didn't mind having him in your team, probably. And and that tough old team of the, well, even going back to Jim's time, Billy Gilbert. You know, it's the the t- tough cookie type players uh, that you like to have, and Thorn and Young and all, all those guys. So. Yeah, we've just got to accept it. But what I am happy about is he had a quiet game yesterday. So he's, he's done some damage to us in recent years, but not yesterday. And none of the internet stuff about being in a wolf in his pocket and all the rest of this time. This time, uh, Ian, over to you, mate. Yeah, I mean, um, we've already said, haven't we, that it was a much better first half than second half. And I was really pleased the way we started yesterday. Um, uh, even, you know, right at the beginning, we started on the front foot. I mean, they did attack us a couple of times. And I think we talked about Luca already and how well he's played. And um, Fergus Tidd has said in the chat that um, Luca cleared off the line in the early minutes. Now, I missed that, but, he, but if he did, that's a great contribution. Um, I think Wilf was, was kicked all game. They targeted him, didn't they? They're number four. Um, what was he called? I can't remember now. Um, I did write it down. Um, but he was Lee a dirty yeah, and he 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 found Wilf really. He went through Wilf, and they both got booked because I think Wilf's reaction was was you know he got up and he sort of stomping around a little bit, and I think he was really unlucky to get booked. And he was he was in disbelief, wasn't he? You know, he was like pleading with the ref, you know, why are you booking me um, when um, you know he was the one that was fouled, and then someone else went through him afterwards. And I thought, my goodness, Wilf, just do not react, you know. Please do not react. We know what he's like. And then the Southampton fans, the only time I did hear them sing, apart from there, are when the Saints was, you know, he's going to cry in a minute. They love doing all that, don't they? Because they, they love to hate him in the same as we love to hate Will Prowse, of course. Um, I thought the first half was dominated by Eze's chances. I think he had, he must have had about four or five shots, um, but only one on target, I think. The one on target was a really good, well-worked move. And um, the keeper tipped it around the post. But he kept dragging the shots to the left. And I think if he can just open his body up a bit more and almost like put it in the top right-hand corner or aim for that, then he's got a better chance of hitting the target. Well, 
you know, I watched them in a pre-match when the forwards are warming up and they're, you know, they don't score every time, do they? But they know where that goal is. And, and it, obviously it must be a lot harder in a game situation. But you know, I was frustrated by Eze, the fact that he didn't hit the target enough. And um, I think that's part of his game he's clearly got to work on. Uh, we spoke pre-show, Chris and I, about XG. And what were the stats again, Chris, to give my voice a rest about yeah, XG? So, but, yeah, Palace point six nine, and, and Southampton uh, one close to 1.5. So, in theory, the, you know, dominated us. I thought it was pretty even, all said and done. Probably, I was expecting somewhere near two, two goals each on the XG, given yeah. both keepers had to do some smart saves. Yeah. And yet, XG says it should have been a clear win for Southampton. Yeah, so if you understand how XG works, then um, maybe say in the chat and you know enlighten us because we we were bemused by the XG stat yesterday. Um, they had a chance. Um, Shay Adams got away. Um, he did ever so well. He hit the post, but he was offside. You know, it was called back. Now I don't know about you, but this frustrates the hell out of me when I'm watching the game. If he's offside, flag he's offside. You know this rule about play on. You know. It's only a matter of time before somebody is going to get hurt badly when they needn't get hurt. You know, when someone's offside, flag the offside. He, he, I think it was fairly clearly off, I thought, at the time. Um, <clears throat> so that was a little bit of a scare. Um, and then we score a goal that was ruled out. And again, it was marginal. Uh, but this time, the flag did go up. And I didn't think it was much different to how, how far offside Jay Adams was up the other end. You know, I don't know what you guys felt, but... At least they runs in from the right. Um, he wasn't offside to begin with. It was only when the flick on came that he was marginally offside, plays it through to Edward. Great goal, but ruled out straight away. What did you think about that one, guys? Jim, what were your thoughts about that? Uh, <coughs> marginal. Like, are you talking about the offside or mm. the referee? I'll go that was ruled out for offside. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know. I, I looked at it. I looked at it back on the replay, and to me, it looked level. But you know, you don't always see the right angle. But in real time, in the ground, did you think it was a good goal? And we were always celebrating where we were. Uh, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I actually did. But I saw the referee, the linesman, right away, so I knew it was offside because he just flagged. I guess so. I guess so. Um, and then you know, the pressure mounted, and you know, we had chances. Um, and then we did get the goal. Really worked well, well worked goal down the left. Uh, Wilf uh, wins the ball. I think he, he robbed one of their players, picked his pocket, played Mitchell through on the left. Um, I read a, an article in The Athletic this week about the fact that Mitchell will never be a wing back. I disagree with that. And he proved it here. Way he got way on, on the left, cross in, Edward gets on the end of it, does what he does best. And there they are celebrating together. And that was one now. And that's all we deserved, more than we deserved. <coughs> I rather we deserved more. You know, we could have had two or three, couldn't we? In the first half. We go in one nil up. And and frankly, um, you know, I think Patrick Vieira said we should have scored more goals in the first half. But um, yeah, give my voice a rest. Go to someone else, Nick, because I'm losing it. Yeah, now. well, actually, I'm gonna come. I just want to go back to <coughs> a couple of points in the chat. You might want to give yourself a mute there for a minute, mate, while you're choking. It's uh, Jim, just to let you know, uh, Nigel's done, our stat boy, Nigel, in the background, has actually said that after uh, 12 points, is exactly the same position as we were last year. 
so obviously we're going on for that. And then Ian was talking about the linesman. My beef yesterday, and Jim, you, I'm, you may think I'm being sad here, but I actually thought about you during the game, just in the first half. And ha if we had planned this pre-production, I would have actually played in your clip that you said live on air here last year about the referees. It's the funniest clip on the history of Red and Blue Review. If you, ladies and gentlemen, if you out in Facebook land, and thank you for all of you that's joined us out there. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you get five minutes, go onto YouTube and find the Jim Cannon clip talking about referees. It's the best, <laughs> bit of, best bit of visual that we've ever had on the show. I'm telling you now. I laugh for days after it. Um, and I thought about Jim during the game yesterday because I thought it wasn't the linesman having a nightmare. I thought the referee in the first half was shit. The second half, I won't swear again, I promise. Uh, I thought he was really poor. Uh, the thing with uh, the Zaha booking is Zaha getting beaten up by so they're all doing it, okay? As Mark Callahan, even Mark, um, was saying in the chat, there's no point having Lisman. You know, what is the point? Why, what do they do now? Uh, Jim mentioned about the, the goal that was offside, he saw the Lisman put his flag up. Now, this is how I saw it from the Homesdale the balls in the back of the net were celebrating. I, I did a quick glance over, looked at the linesman who hadn't put his flag up. I take issue with what you said, boys. At that point, as the ball hit the back of the net, he had not put his flag up. When they start celebrating, then he raises his flag. Really? Is that okay? Is that right? I I did it on purpose to the point where the guys I was talking, standing next to, I actually said, I checked the linesman. He didn't have his flag up. And then he put his flag up. And what's it, what is the point in the linesman? Chris, you were there. You say... How did you see it? Uh, I didn't see it. And I'll tell you why. I was at the back of the Arthur. So my the only time I knew it wasn't a goal was then eventually, you know, three, four seconds in, watching Edward's reaction. So I didn't, I couldn't see the linesman at any point. I was in the very back row of the Arthur and everyone stood. So, yeah. So it was actually Edward's reaction that told me. So if you watch Edward, all your points about that are correct. This, what do the linesmen do now? And probably linesmen are asking that of themselves as well, that, that they're being undermined, aren't they, with the way the rules are? They used to be an integral part of the game. Now they're almost for show, aren't they? If, if, if you watched Edward, as he put the ball in the net, he looked straight across and went like that, dropped his head. So the linesman yeah. had put the flag up as he was putting the ball in the back of the net. Just oh, I, don't I don't know what you were you, you were talking to your mate, you just said, so he probably never saw it. I know who you were talking to. You were talking to your old mate sitting next to you. Um tell me yeah, Lisa was the one that was offside, not Edward though. So no, Edward, no, no. Edward can't have seen that Elise was off. No. He must have thought it was a good goal. I mean he came yeah. from behind the play to Jim, link up. Jim, for the benefit of those in the Facebook land that uh, didn't see it, just a gentle reminder of your views on re the modern-day referee and all referees. Uh, well, I can't remember it word for word, but from the minute I started playing at Palace, I thought they were all wankers. Nothing has ever changed to make me change my mind. That's Lucy, Lucy, you must clip that for the end of the season show. You've got I think, actually, I, I think the refereeing... This season has got worse. And I think VAR is causing all the problems. Is okay, so let's, let's, Nick, let's talk about that for a moment, shall Go we? On. Because it's really important. Do you think referees, Jim, 
do you think they have um they've almost they're hiding behind their responsibilities they don't have to make the decisions anymore because VAR will do it for them yeah well well it's probably a little bit better this year but last season they wouldn't even go to their screens would they because everybody was screaming out but why isn't the referee there was a screen there for the last couple of seasons and the referees would not, not walk towards that screen to have a go. Th then I thought they were opting out. They were, they were like, letting it, blaming other people. They'd go home on a Saturday night, VAR gets the blame. This year, and probably a bit last season, they started going towards the screens and having a look. But they're still coming up with some hopeless decisions. I mean, they kept, even VAR is not getting it right. I mean, there's been some horrendous mistakes and that's half a dozen guys sitting in some room watching the TV, 100 different clips and the referee sort of looking at a screen. So I, they, they, I think they're, they're copping out a bit, yeah. It's an easier job for them now because they can blame VAR. Yeah, they know that someone else is going to correct them if they get it wrong, which I, I, I don't like, you know. But they, they were going to the screens last season as well. But, yeah, yeah oh, checking club badge. Thanks for that, Ferg. They do that. They check the club badge. Oh, we better check that one. Um, it's top six side. Um, guys, what about the Elise penalty appeal in the first half? I didn't mention that earlier. But would VAR have checked that? Because we thought it was a penalty. Elise thought it was a penalty. It looked like it when, it, when they played it back. What are your thoughts yeah, on that? Right. I'd go first on that. Again, Ben and I, I'm looking at the other end of the other end of the pitch. Uh, and I did have my glasses on. Uh, it was and Lucy's just you know, Lucy's words from where I was at the far end at the homestead end. Okay, he, he went over slower than uh, leaning tower of Pisa. It was a bit embarrassing. I think it was embarrassing. I mean, I think he was clipped. Okay, but the way he went over is what influenced the referee's decision. And yet, I was just interested listening to you guys talking about the referee. Actually, the one thing that's different this year about for the previous, I don't know, five, maybe 10 years, is there's, they're all no marks. I've never heard of these referees. I mean, you had Atkinson and uh, you know, John Marson, all, the, all these names who were regulars within the Premier League. These people, anybody, I don't even know who the referee was yesterday, but I certainly never Salisbury, said Salisbury, wasn't it? Salisbury? Who? That's Salisbury. my point. That's exactly my point. I've never heard of him. He's one of the new ones. And that... and. Is that an influence on what's you know, the poor standard of refereeing in the Premier League? These guys are coming in. Chris, your thoughts? No, it's a good point. And do you know something? And I kind of put two and two together, what Jim's saying and then you. I think partly because for three years now, it's VAR this, VAR that. So it, VAR is, a, is getting the blame, if you like, rather than uh, the referee's name. So some of these refs have been around two or three years, but because you know, the fury is aimed at video video refs rather than the individual ref. Maybe, you know, that some of them have been going under the radar. Uh, and that there have been some new refs, haven't there, as well come through. But uh, I think just because we're focusing on VAR, and I'll tell you something, a month from now, we're going to have the World Cup and we will get even more annoyed because we're going to see VAR used properly, like we did in the Euros, like we did in the World Cup in 2018. And we come January, we're going to be scratching our heads going, wait a minute, why, why can they get it right on the international game? And why can't the clowns in England not get it right? And do we have, a, do we even have a representation going to Qatar from our referees association? 
I don't I believe think we do. do. I think I heard on uh, another podcast that it possibly the guy who did the Chelsea game for us is the guy. It was someone who did a bad job for Palace recently. England. Uh, when you when you absolutely roll in your eyes and it's like, oh my god, that guy's the best England's got. I think that. Uh, but yeah, probably Madley back. The guy that was they they got rid of him four years ago because he was he made the inappropriate comment on social media. Oh, all right, and, yeah, that's right. And and they brought him back. He refereed uh, Brentford Wolves yesterday. You know, so they are they are they're probably short of referees in the Premier League. You know, so they've got people coming up through the ranks that probably aren't aren't quite good enough. You know, Darren England, for instance. We seem to yeah, get. I mean, him. Oh my life. We seem to be the one that. The, the, the newbies get thrown out. We had Tierney against Norwich. We had uh, England against Newcastle in the space of a month last year. We seem to just get the, the rubbish thrown our way. We'll see. To- Tony Quinn says it's Anthony Taylor who will be going to Qatar. Thank you, Tony. Right. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for that. Uh, and again, not exactly a household name, although he has done a few Palace games. Do you want to do cover the second half in? Yeah, not really. <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because uh, as Jim said earlier, you know, in other games, we've been better in the second half. And, you know, we, we're going one nil up and we could have been two or three. And in the second half, they came at us, you know, clearly they, they have words in their dressing room at half time, and they looked the better team in the second half. Um, there was uh, VAR did look at a Mark Gahey handball early on, apparently. Thank goodness I didn't know about that in the ground. Um and Vincente Guita made three, I think, really top saves in that second half that kept us in the game. And um, you know, you know, we're we're, we're two. We're, you know, if he doesn't save two of those, we lose two one, don't we? You know, it's as simple as that um, on on uh, on those chances. And they were good chances they had. They were really good chances that that Southampton had. And um, they even hit the post at one point. Um, and then there was a Walprouse corner that went really close. It went right across the box through everyone. And missed the far post by by about six inches or something. So um, we had chances as well, though. You know, I, I, you know, we weren't as bad as maybe people. Some people are making us out in the second half. Um, Wilf had a chance on the left when he probably took too much time um, to 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 uh, you know get get himself steadied, and and the block came in. Um, and then when Jordan Ayew came on, I thought he did great down the right hand side. Um, there were a couple of times where he. He won the ball and he, he got down the touchline. He got the ball across the box. Um, you could argue that the second one of those, when Elise played him through and he, he got down and he looked up and he saw Wilf in, in the box. He tried to square it to him and it was blocked when he might have had a shot himself. But that's his lack of confidence, I think, in, in himself as a goal scorer. Um, but he didn't do much wrong. Uh, so, you know, we had our chances as well. Um, but, you know, we didn't add to our, uh, our single goal. And it would be nice if we could get two or three and just be able to relax a little bit, as uh, Righty said on Match of the Day last night. So, you know, at the end of the day, it was three points. It wasn't the prettiest of wins, but it was three points and it was a job well done in the end. Chris, you wanted to make a point? Oh, I'm reading the comments here. Yeah, um, apologies, I think I got the Paul Tierney name wrong, but whoever the Norwich ref was last year, that was a... Uh, Paul Tierney apparently is our lucky ref. It's one of you... Uh, viewers just said there, so I'll, I'll take it back on Tierney. There we go. Cool. <laughs> that comment. That one there. So yeah. Crystal, Palace, Crystal Palace held on to a narrow victory, their third consecutive home win of the season against Tenacious <laughs> Southampton at Sellers Park. Odson Edward provided the only goal 
when Wilfried Zaha nipped the ball away from Lanko and found Tyreek Mitchell, who cut back for a simple finish for Edward. Uh, Palace now sit 10th in the table, while Southampton is 16th. Two points off the relegation zone. Palace are unbeaten in four of their six home games so far this season. With this, the, the, the last in the front of the home crowd before the World Cup break. It's their first clean sheet of the season at Sellers Park and the first time since May 2018 they've earned three successive home wins. All decent stats, so lots to be positive there. I must admit, I didn't realise the... Uh, of course, we, 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 I mean, the celebrations after the game are lovely. The, I thought the crowd gave uh, the, the team a right, the right royal applause as they left the pitch. It was, you know, it was great to watch. Um Anything else we need to add on the game there, boys? Uh, yeah, there was, there was one stat that they, when they introduced it on Match of the Day, I think Gary Lineker said, um, uh, Palace and Southampton, no two teams in the Premier League have um, scored more po more points from losing positions. So, so who's going to dare to take the lead? Which, which is quite a stat, isn't it? Actually, both clubs. Um, so. Right, yeah. I suppose we better do some... Other bits and pieces, other little bits, bits of business. Chris, let's talk about one more point very briefly. Uh, so when's the next one coming out? This side of Christmas? No, the way the fixtures are, it's not going to be before Christmas, but it'll be in January. It's been very busy with work and these games getting cancelled. I did have Man United to, targeted at one point. Good job I didn't go for that, given the, the Queen's untimely death. But yeah. uh, it, we'll, we'll see what the FA Cup gives us. But if not, it'll be somewhere in January that I'm looking at and, get back on the streets so are you still looking for people to send you articles write things for you always always looking for that and i got some good stuff at the tail end of last year that is quite timely so i've already got a good body for the next issue but uh just the, the stop start nature of rail strikes and cancellations kind of just lost momentum a little bit but uh yeah always happy to receive articles contact me on the on the scroller there at one more point one via twitter and I'll be happy to hear from you. And let's uh, get it back up and running in, in 2023. And how many issues have you done? So the original run, 10-year run, was 60. And we did uh, four, well, a, a joint one with five-year plan and three in its own right. So six, issue 64 will be the next one. Uh, I'm reading a message in the chat. Uh, Chris, I'd like to introduce you to Lindsay Dawn from... Right the Crystal Palace uh, uh, Disabled Supporters Association. Oh, yeah, definitely. She is actually asking you a question in the chat, Chris. Would We'd you love to, Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, gave the, Lindsay, the answer is yes, please. Gave the women's team a good write-up in the last issue and, yeah, really want to give all, all, all the different aspects of the club uh, a write-up. So, yeah, be delighted, Lindsay Dawn. Oh, you two get in touch with Dawn, can you put your, uh, your Twitter handle in the chat so Chris can see it? Uh, and then we, we can get you two guys together. I think it's really important. <coughs> Bringing all different factions within the Palace community together. And that's what we want to do here on the Red and Blue Review. Right. Up and coming fixtures, gentlemen. Hang on a minute. Let's, one more thing about Chris. Let's not let him off that lightly. And I know he'll <laughs> want to mention this. Tell us a little bit about the book, Chris, because you, you, I saw on Twitter you, uh, you were half joking. For the Secret Santa present in the office. Oh, right. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity. Um, yes, yeah, so is that the programme? I didn't give this the best talk up last time I was on this show. I assumed everyone knew the basic premise. And I could, so the basic premise is for 10 years around one more point, one of the original fanzines, sort of I was inspired by Eagle Eye, the original, 
uh, 10 year run 1993 to 2003. And this covers the first three years of that. So um, 94 to 96 ends with Claridge's goal at, at Wembley. Ouch. But uh, lots of entertainment. The, the fact that fanzines were the go to for the media before there was an Internet. And this is what it's about running a magazine, old school paper, scissors, glue up till three in the morning, getting it printed and then standing there in the rain risking arrest and all the rest of it. Uh, that's what the book's about. And it, for Secret Santier, it's priced at 9 99 so it stays under the £10 budget for these things. You can get it off Amazon or contact me. I've got a few few copies up there for sale, so you can buy it off me direct as well if you don't want to give Jeff Bezos your money. But I love the title. I love the title, because you Is must that, have been asked that so many times. Well, that, it was the only title. Like it, it was the working title, if you like. And I said, right, this is what's a better name? People going, you've got the perfect name already. You don't you don't need a one. And is that the program's second leg? I might as well announce it now. That will be coming out in 2023. So that will complete the story from 96 through the Goldberg debacle, through administration, through the Grim Reaper protest march and up to Simon Jordan's time. So that will be coming out next year. Can't give you which month. <laughs> got a lot going on, but it will, it will happen next year. And Rob Cranfield saying in the chat, uh, Chris is the new Sido. <laughs> I just can't grow the Sido, unfortunately. <laughs> Boyish gross when it comes to that. Right, Jim, I'm coming to you. Three games coming up in very quick succession. Sixth, ninth and 12th of November. Uh, two league games, a one league cup game, all the way from home. There they are, as if by magic. Anyone would think we actually have a production team on this on this programme. Oh, my God. There you go. Jim, I'm, I want to talk to you about the two league games particularly um did you see the west ham game this afternoon uh, uh yeah i did i did see it and i thought they were extreme extremely unlucky i mean if, if they had won that game 4-1 you wouldn't have been surprised the gear was just unbelievable unbelievable they looked a good side actually so we've got our work cut out uh at the weekend Okay, and equally, I want to talk and ask you about the Forest game, and we'll do the Newcastle game that's in the middle of them in a minute. Well, I mean, for, you, every time you see Forest, they look a good side, and uh, obviously the, a great result last week beating Liverpool, but uh, come unstuck again against Arsenal. So it's, uh, I don't know. I, I suppose if you're looking at the two games, if we're going to pick up anything, I, I can imagine us getting a point at West Ham. Um, especially if we play a more solid midfield with a lease wide on the right rather in the middle. And um, Forrest, I would say we could win that game. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for at least three points, which means one win. I would say four, but that might be a bit greedy, two away games. But there are two games that they're not... Ones that you'd say, well, we won't get nothing out of them. I think as fans, we'd expect to get something out of both of them games. Right. And you, anyone of the thing we produced, you've actually already gone into my next question. Uh, just quickly touch on the Newcastle in the League Cup. Do you think we'll win that? And I want to talk to you about the formation for those two league games in a second. No. <laughs> and, the, and the way the season's going and the amount of games we're going to have after the new year, I'd, I'd rather stay in the FA Cup than the League Cup. But at Newcastle, they're they're flying at the moment, so that's going to be a difficult game. So it's but it's not as important as it as the two league games. 
So let's let's work on the premise that Bikori is uh, fit and ready for the two home game, the two away games at West Ham and Forest. Jim, how do we set up in you know against yesterday? I mean, yesterday's home performance. Obviously, these are two uh, two away league games. What do you do differently to set up? And you were talking about packing the midfield. Well, yeah, I wouldn't play. We play uh, everything. We played four three three. I wouldn't play that. I would go with much the same shape as he had yesterday. Um, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't pack the midfield as such, but I would certainly. I don't know if the Curry apparently wouldn't have played against Everton anyway, even though he was suspended because uh, he was injured. So it, it, obviously, if he comes back, I would. You would normally say Luca would come out and he'd keep Schluppy in there, but the way Luca played yesterday, he might well keep him in there with Dukuri as well. So as long as we 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 don't play Elise and Eze in the middle of a three or with three in the middle, then uh, we I think we'd be all right. But we got to be a bit bit more def- defensive minded, even against Nottingham Forest a few years ago. We were only winning games away from home because we were breaking, defending very good and then breaking very quick. This year, we're the total opposite. We're not doing so well away from home, but I think the fans would rather see us win home games on a regular basis because 20-odd thousand can't see that game as opposed to a few thousand away. But uh, yeah, I think he'll keep he'll keep much the same shape. I'd be very surprised if he goes with, with three in the middle uh, for these two games. So we'll definitely have four, maybe five, one playing a little bit deeper, or even one even in front. Play, play, play one, three, one, one. So he's got a few options, but he's he certainly got to pack the midfield a little bit more. Four, four, two then? More or less, yeah. Whatever way you look at it. Uh, I, I, I miss Rob's lineup. Rob just put a midfield. Uh, Lucy, can you put uh, his, his lineup back up again? I missed what you said. I think it was Elise. Uh, no, she's she not there. Uh, Ian, talk to me about the, the lineup for the West Ham game. How do you see it? Yeah, I think I think having seen Luca play so well yesterday, and if Cechi Decore is fit, um, I do think we need to do something about the midfield because we don't want a repeat of Everton. Um, I think you look at the two away games before that, uh, Leicester and Newcastle, uh, both goalless draws, um, we were fortunate not to concede in both of those games, I thought. Um, so, on that basis, we could have easily lost both both of those games. So, on that basis, we've got to do something different, I think, away from home. So, we haven't played two defensive midfielders this season together, um, but I think Cechi Decore and Luka Milivojevic could well be the answer. I think it will be those two. I don't think it'll be um, Hughes. Um, he hasn't played enough minutes um, but it'll be interesting and then who's he going to drop out? Probably Schlupp if, if De Curry comes in for Schlupp say, because um, I think Elise will keep his place, I think Eze will keep his place, um, although you know, again that's an interesting one because Eze really you know, he is a bit of a, he's a flair player isn't he? And, and you could argue that he's a bit of a luxury at times um, he can go missing in games and I think that's why he's been been, been hauled off a couple of times, you know, because, you know, he's just not been in the game enough when we've been without the ball. Um, so it'll be an interesting lineup and selection. It's, it's a, he's got he's got some thinking to do, Patrick Vieira, before next Sunday. 
And I, I can't remember a time, must have been occasions, where we've played three away games in seven days. So, you know, it's going to be pretty tough on the players. Lots of travelling. Thankfully, one of them's in London. Um, but, you know, you go up to Newcastle, presumably they'll come back again before they go back up to Nottingham. So um, I know a few people will be making a few days of it, though, I'm sure, in the North East and the East Midlands. But, yeah. I'm glad you said that because I'm just going to ask Chris. Chris, it's local to you. You going to Newcastle away? Uh, yes, that's one of the few times it shouldn't be too much hassle getting a ticket. So the trick is if I can book a work appointment, get a sales appointment in and around Newcastle that afternoon and position myself, it should be an easy one to get to. So, so if, if anyone I mean, in here needs an electric vehicle charger in the northeast, I'll come and see you that day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, actually, Brian's just made a good point. Uh, do you think? Do you think Will Hughes will, will make an appearance at Newcastle, Chris? Um, you know, would you change anything from what? I've saw a stat today actually. The record with Hughes in the team, and I don't know there's an element of you know, depends who you who you play, but you compare him in the team with him not in the team over the last year and a half, and we've considerably better record with him in the team. So you know, there's certainly a case that he needs to be in the mix. I'm seeing plenty of comments flying uh flying down here in the corner, and you can see a case for, for most of them. We we have got a not a massive squad, you know, certain areas we're lacking in depth, but we've got a lot of upfront options or certainly, you know, midfield and attacking options. It's nice that we can at least have conversations and we're not stuck with the same first 11, that there are options. Yeah. And just one thing, we are going to beat Newcastle. Uh, just a gut <laughs> feeling on that. I'm not so sure about the league game and maybe even penalties, but we, I could, I've just got a good feeling on that one. Of course, they'll, they'll rotate their squad as well. They won't be playing their first team in that game. <laughs> Your likes of uh, Almiron, um, you know, uh, um, up front, uh, Wilson, you know, and Trippier, they might not even be playing against us in that in that game. I think yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting. I mean, I think Jim's made a good point that, <coughs> you know what, we need to be out of that League Cup because it's one game that we don't need to be, one, one competition we don't need to be... Uh, worried so much about I mean arguably you could the argument to that of course is um it's one cup that you could potentially win um yeah, one thing yeah. one you know we want a bit of silverware but it's a tough draw it's a tough draw away at St James's and I, I think that'll be I think you're right you boys are right they'll they'll bring in some of the uh maybe a couple of the under 23s for that Will Hughes the fringe players if you like um I'm glad to see he's bringing some of the kids onto the bench who was it? Who was it on there yesterday? Was it Wells Morrison? Who was on the bench yesterday? Uh, and yeah, they're getting they're getting first team experience, and I think it's it's very well worthwhile. Just moving on a little bit, um, ladies and gentlemen, out in Facebook land, uh, we've only got a few minutes left to go. Uh, don't forget to uh, enter our World Cup predictions league. There are still some spaces left. Uh, I don't know. How, actually, I know Ian was talking about single digits now. So if you want to be involved in the World Cup Prediction League, just put your email address into the chat, as the guys did last week. Ian will pick them, Ian Lyons will pick them up tomorrow. Ping you an email, and it's very simple. All you need to do is you'll be sent your first set of fixtures for the World Cup to make your predictions on the weekend, weekend of the 13th of November, and you'll have a week to submit them back to us. Simply follow the instructions on the email. It's a really very simple very simple procedure you'll get a joining 
email from Ian. You then pay your £20 entrance fee to come come on board. You're then invited into the group chat and it's really transparent. You can see everybody else's results. You can see that Nick Philpott will be bottom of the league, as he always is. Uh, those of you out in Facebook land have done it, please big it up in the chat. It's really worthwhile. It's a bit of fun, a bit of banter, okay, and lots of piss-taking in my directions. And also, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, you can find us anywhere on YouTube after the show, immediately after the show. It's available as a podcast, and you can view again. Uh, all you've got to do is ask your smart speaker to play the red latest Red and Blue Review podcast. It's there for you all to see. And also, our entire back catalogue is there for you to have a play with. Uh, what else we got to cover in? I can't remember. <coughs> is there anything else that we've got to do? I think we're there, aren't we? Probably. Um, Lindsay uh, has reminded everybody that the DSA party is on Saturday, the 19th of November uh, to Inspironis. And so all are welcome. There we are. The DSA social event, not party. Uh, 19th of November, Inspironis, Sellers Park, 7pm, all invited. Um, no football that day, of course. So raffle, quiz and food. What's not to like? Um, I have to send my apologies because it's my birthday and I've got other plans. But otherwise, get yourself down there, you know? 76 days this year, isn't it, him? <laughs> Say again? 76 this year, isn't it? Yeah, I look good on it, don't I? Don't know, eh? Yeah, not bad. Uh, Jim, I, t- I, I trust you're not the, the guest speaker at Lindsay's event in the, for the DSA. Actually, I was just reading that and it said guest speaker raffle and I thought, well, that's a weird name for a guest <laughs> And then I see the little comma. Do you know the, the weirdest thing happened to me at Sellers Park this afternoon? All the people that stand around me, you know what we're we saying to each other at the end of the game? No. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Because oh, yes. oh, yeah. yeah. we won't see each other before Christmas. And it's just That's right. Yeah, no, I said that in Spironi's when I finished my little chat. Uh, see you all after Christmas. Ridiculous. <laughs> see you on Boxing Day. Yeah. <laughs> And all of you out in Facebook land, before we go, please put in your predictions for the West Ham game. Um, I think out of the three games, that will be the toughest. Uh, obviously, we've much discussed about the Newcastle game. There won't be the first team. So what's your predictions? Right, coming in. Ian, your prediction for the West Ham game? Go, I will go for one all. Jim? West Ham, one all. Oh, both go for a draw, are you? Uh, okay. I feel uh, bad because you've both gone one also. Um, go I'll go a bit slightly different. Nil-nil. We, we seem to be pretty good at getting nil-nils away. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting a point, though, for They're sure. They're all going for a draw. Ladies and gentlemen, I know this is going against the grain of Nick Philpott because I don't normally do this. I'm normally the, the most pessimist Palace fan that's out there. But I'm going to go with a sneaky little one-nil win. I don't, you know, maybe it might happen. You're right. Nil one to Crystal Palace. And it's it's not what I would normally do. I would normally be a little bit more conservative, go with a draw or even predict a loss. But I'm actually going to go with a, a, a one nil win. Boys, that's it for the show. We've done it again. Uh, so next week, ladies and gentlemen, the show will be on Monday evening, hosted by Ian Noble, joined by... Jim Cannon and a couple of others. Lucy, Lucy, who's producing this evening. Oh, a couple of little things. Lucy, thank you very much for producing this evening. Nigel, I hope you're enjoying your holiday in uh, Cyprus and thank you for all the work you've done. 
And very big up to Tom Clark Samuel, who runs our Instagram page. Lots of hard work. He's working for us every single day. It's all unpaid. It's all voluntary. It's all for the love of the club. And we, we thank you on it. Ladies and gentlemen, and Facebook land. No more home games before uh, Fulham. And I'll only be, hopefully, I'll, I'll be in Spironi's bar for the Fulham game. <coughs> the old fella. So that'll be the next time I see any of you lot. But we'll be back in next Monday with a live show. Join Ian and the team then. On behalf of myself, Nick, and everybody else on the Red and Blue Review, please take care. Stay safe. Thanks, guys, for everything tonight. See you soon. Good night, everyone. See ya. Good night.